Welcome to Mastering the Attention Economy podcast. I'm your host, Ari Lewis. Human attention is a scarce resource that millions of companies across the globe are fighting for. Once a week, I interview entrepreneurs, executives, and industry leaders on how they earn attention for their brands without paying for it. To learn more about my work, visit arilewis.com and subscribe to my twice-a-week newsletter on marketing, branding, and communications. Today's guest is Steve Schaufman. Steve is a certified professional coach and angel investor. He currently operates High Output, a boutique leadership development company based in New York City. Yeah, great to meet you, Ari. Thanks for having me on the show. So I was really excited to get you on as a guest. You know, a lot of the people um, I've had on are in the communications industry, more, you know, working at an agency or working internally, but you're a CEO coach in addition to your investing. And I know a lot of, you know, the podcasts you go on, they talk about investing. So this is going to be a bit of a change of pace where we're going to talk more about your coaching and thought leadership and, you know, sort of how uh, CEOs and, and how they can build brands and, and the companies they're at building brands. But before we get into that, you know, I always like to ask an interesting question to start things off. And I found out that you're actually an identical twin. I am. Yeah. Can you just, you know, talk about like that experience and sort of, I think that I feel like that type of, you know, relationship growing up could have a big impact on, on your career. Yeah. So um, it, it, it's interesting because it's all, all I've ever known is to have someone that looks and sounds exactly like me. Um, I would say that we were inseparable as kids and we did everything together. And then once we got to college age, we actually went completely different paths. I went into business and he went into arts. So, you know, despite, despite, our love for technology and design and things of that nature, he just decided that he wanted to be an artist. And so um, what's interesting is we've both been in technology our whole careers, you know, 20 years later, uh, he's now at Netflix and runs product for their interactive TV division or their inter- interactive TV products. And as you said, I'm a CEO coach and an investor. And so yeah, it's it's been it's a it's a trip to see how similar we are yet how different. You know, as we sort of go from, you know, that twin to to going more into your career. So you've spent, you know, the the vast majority of your career um investing, but you know, you sort of always had this passion for for coaching even, you know, when you're at um primary, you know, you're you're a partner there. You also list on your LinkedIn bio, link leadership coach as well. So, you know, when did you begin to notice like you had this expertise as a leadership coach, but also why did you begin to, you know, seek that out as like an area that, you know, you can build upon? Because I think a lot of people in, you know, the VC community, they're sort of this uh, stigma. Maybe it's changed in recent years around like, you know, CEOs being coaches. I mean, CEOs getting coached in that like, oh, that means there's something wrong with them. Maybe we should replace them. You know, when did you begin to notice that you can, you know, be a be a leader and help with those types of things. Yeah, so I should I should back up. What, what's interesting is when I was in high school, uh, my I, I think it was in my my high school yearbook. They they said I was going to be the the football coach of the the high school uh, hometown team one day. And so I guess I'm 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 not I'm not necessarily doing that, but perhaps something that's related. And so I think just from like a young age, I've always loved this concept of coaching and, 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 you know, and, and being excited about the idea of leading other people. 
And about five or six years ago, I was a institutional investor at one of the top funds in New York. I was on the verge of making partner. And one night I came home to my wife, who happens to be a founder. She runs a company called The Sill. And I said to her, I think I want to be a coach. And she said, well, I know you would make a phenomenal coach, but you can do that later in life when you retire. And uh, what's interesting is the more that I dug into the profession, the more it just began to really speak to me. And so about three and a half years ago, I walked into uh, my partner's office and I basically said, this isn't going to be an easy conversation. And they said, what's going on? And I said, I'm leaving. And they said, to go and do what? And I said, you know, I don't really know, but deep down inside, I knew that it was going to go to become a coach. And so I ended up enrolling in a coaching certification program about three years ago, and I haven't looked back since. And so I predominantly coach really three core groups. I have a pretty small practice that I call High Output. It's a boutique leadership development company. And uh, I, I typically work with early stage CEOs. So I would say anywhere from call it pre-seed through series C. So call it like sub 150 employees. Uh, I then work with what I call leaders in transition. So those are uh, high performing executives or founders that are now starting to think about what's next. And then the neck, the last bucket is, and in, in for a long time, I, I resisted coaching other VCs and investors, but um, there are a lot of investors that value uh, my perspective on that business. So um, that's predominantly who I'm serving now with high output. So yeah, I want to I want to touch on, you know, all those groups and have a few questions around them. But I think first with, you know, the high the high uh, output um, group, you know, can you talk about maybe, you know, at a high level, your thesis around, you know, coaching your process, but also, you know, specifically more relevant to, I think our listeners is sort of, you know, the importance of, um, you know, CEOs when they start thinking about things like thought leadership, you know, how can they start developing those things? How do you train, you know, CEOs on like, Hey, you know, the brand is important, but also like the CEO's brand is important and like why that's important, you know, things like, you know, the CEO trying to close a, a big time employee or trying to close a big time customer and positioning themselves as someone that, you know, is a, is a noteworthy person that the, that customer or potential employee will listen to. So I know that was a lot and happy to repeat it, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I should take a step back and just for the audience, give a little bit of context. So, you know, the way that I think about how I show up and work with a range of leaders is really what I call the inner and the outer game. And so the inner game is, you know, obviously navigating the emotional roller coaster or building a company or making a transition. It's really digging deep and understanding who am I at my core? What do I value? What do I want to optimize for? Um, and so that, you know, th there's a lot more depth to the inner game, but I'm, I'm summarizing on the, in the outer game is more of like the strategy tools and tactics. And so I try to marry these two worlds because I think it's very, very difficult to create real change and movement unless you're really focused on, on both. The, the second point I would make is, um, 
I, I am, yes, I show up as a coach. So that's someone that, you know, asks lots of questions rather than dishes out advice. And, and I should say though, that because I have nearly 20 years of experience, both as an operator and investor, there will be times where I do put on my investor or advisor or mentor hat. And I'm usually pretty clear about when it is that I do those things. And so it's all, it's not like I have like a, like a specific process. Like I certainly have like an arc of an engagement in terms of like onboarding and things like that. But every person is different that I work with and the context of their situation, their experience, their background, all really factors into how I show up. Now that said, it, it's funny you talk about like personal branding because I'm currently working with a um, uh, with a with an executive. I, 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 he's not necessarily a CEO, but he's someone who's in a, a very very senior role that is extremely impactful and a pretty high visibility organization. And you know, he approached me in terms of his his ability to go out and build his brand. And, um, you know, it's interesting because he came to me and said, look, you've done a really good job building your own personal brand across Twitter and some of these other platforms. And you've been so intentional about it. Like, I would love to hear how you've done that. And so now he and I are starting to do a little bit of work uh, on how can he do that for himself. And, you know, it's funny because he, he has a design and a branding background. Uh, that's his specialty. And so, um, you know, for me, I think where I start with him is really, you know, what do you want to convey? Like, what's important? What do you really value? Um, if you were a brand, what would it stand for? Right? Like, what do you want to articulate? You know, all of the things that you can communicate to an audience, like what medium do you want to use, right? What, like, do you want to be visual? Do you want to be audio? Do you want to be text-based? Um, you know, what kind of, what, what do you want to share? Is it, you know, like an inside view into your process and how you build companies? Is it um, the things you're thinking about in reading? Is it, you know, doodles in your spare time. I mean, what, whatever it is. Um, and so, you know, he and I are now starting to engage in what that, that arc actually looks like. And so I would say it's absolutely multidimensional. And then, you know, even before we, we get into it, like, I think there's foundational work, which is what is important about what you want to communicate. Like, what is it about this form of expression, right? And if you're able to, you know, bring this vision, this new version of yourself to life where you are expressing more openly and authentically and you're sharing with the world, how are you different in that process? So I'm, I'm rambling now, but I, I hope that gives you a sense as to how I'm working with this specific individual. And as you can see, like some of it will eventually be like, okay, let's review, like, let's put together like a strategy in terms of how you can go at, at, attack that and, and bring, bring that vision to life. But then there's, as you can see, there's a whole like inner, inner scope in terms of like really getting to the fundamental 
level of like who is this person and why is and why is expressing himself important. And how do you convince? Because I think what we see with a lot of probably like C level executives and also like probably how they manage the brands is they're they're a lot of times focused on like short term KPIs and these low hanging fruits of like you know we got to hit X you know sales number in in Q two or something like that. And then you talk about things like you know and you've built a great Twitter presence and great you know. Uh, content presence, but that's taking you years. You know, how do you convince some of these people, both from a personal brand perspective, but as well as when they're thinking about positioning their company to invest in some of these types of initiatives? Because you can't just, you know, overnight say, hey, I'm going to start building my Twitter brand out and my personal brand out, and I'm going to get to 20,000 followers from zero in two months. You know, how do you start helping them think about like, oh, you need to invest in the long game and, and help them realize the upside of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that most of the people I work with aren't starting from zero. So that that's that's the, the first important part. The other is that I don't necessarily have to convince them, right? I think a lot of the time, depending on what it is, I think in the case of building an online presence and using that, um, for me, the people that show up, that's already innate in them right? Like this is something that they want to do. And so as a coach, my job isn't to convince anyone of anything, right? Sometimes I might push them on something that they believe in, but my job is actually like helping them unlock like what, like whatever it is that they want, like who, who it is that they want to become. And so if they want to build a, a social media presence, right? Or they want to start to blog more or vlog, whatever it is. Like oftentimes they know they want to do this and it's up to me to help them really get to the bottom of why this is important and how they want to go and execute it in a way that again is authentic to who they are as a leader. So, you know, as a, as a follow-up to that, I, I think one of the things that I've noticed that probably a lot of, you know, executives and the companies and this has been a recurring conversation that we've had on this podcast is like knowing what path to go down because i think a lot of them you know people try to be jack of all trades master of none you know how do you make sure that they they stay focused and i'm sure it doesn't just apply to personal branding but all aspects of what you do where they see the shiny object and you have to go okay let's take a step back you know yes we see the shiny object too but like does that really you know accomplish the mission that like you hired me for and what we're trying to work to accomplish. How do you balance that between like, there's the shiny object, you can go get it. And like, there's the shiny object, like, let's take a step back. And maybe it's not that wise to go and chase it. Yeah, I about five years ago, five years ago, maybe three years ago for you, I, I forget, I wrote this blog post that was titled Finding Your Voice. And in it, I talk about the importance of selecting a medium that is um, that that almost feels native to you in a way where it's not unnatural. And what I usually recommend to anyone, whether it's a CEO or someone just coming to me for help in terms of like, hey, I want to build an online presence and following, is I would always start by saying like, there are a bunch of different mediums. There's advantages and disadvantages. Like, pick one an experiment with it. Just see it as an experiment and invest in that to the point where you feel like even if your 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 audience hasn't grown to a point where it's, you know, it's ballooned, but at least like get a feel for it. 
and see how it feels. And so to me, I'm always a big believer in just like really going deep and and into one platform. If you give it a try and for whatever reason it doesn't speak to you and you I would always suggest like what's the next one? What what else can we try and test? And so um yeah, I'm just again, I'm a big believer that you build on one plot you build audience on one platform and then over time you can grow that into other platforms. So like for example, right now I'm just on Twitter. Well, I also have my personal blog and now I'm starting to build a, a newsletter. And I think over time, like uh, I will, I will end up expanding. But I've spent o- over, over almost 13 years building my Twitter following, and so I, 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 and I've done that on purpose. Like I, 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 and I'm glad that I've invested in that as opposed to trying to do a podcast and YouTube and you know all these other avenues. So. Um, I think like, let's talk about some of those newer initiatives that, that you worked on. One of the things that I really like that you did, and I, I know you worked on it with an intern you hired this summer was, uh, the high output founders library. Can you talk about, um, what that is, but I'd also be curious to know, you know, what are some of the benefits that you've had from like creating content? Like how has that helped you in, in, in your job? Because I would imagine one of the things that, you know, as you're coaching people, that's sort of probably a secondary benefit for them is when they're building out their personal brand or when you're forcing them to write stuff about like sales strategy and like how they should think about it. It, it helps them also learn. So, you know, can you, can you talk about like not just, you know, learning from you, but also learning through actually executing and that how that makes you a better, you know, leader and a, a better, you know, communicator in your case on the personal brand side. Sure. So, in the in in the case of the founder library, so I'll I'll give you the the high level overview of what the pro. So what what back in the spring, I I had a few epiphanies. The first was that I had a lot of my coaching clients um, would come to me with these these common problems um, that we would work through. And I would save a bunch of different, I would curate a set of resources from around the web where I just had like a private notion database where if it was like, I, I need to run more effective one-on-ones or I'm going to go out and raise my series. A. can you provide some resources that will help me get ready for that process? And I would send them these resources. So that was the first one where I just kept on amassing these resources. Then the second was, second epiphany was um, over the last decade, there's been an explosion of content and tools in the venture and startup ecosystem, but there isn't a place that sort of brought it all together under one roof. And then the third uh, epiphany that I had was around the George Floyd protests. I was meeting with a lot of underrepresented and underappreciated founders uh, from all different parts of the country. And what I realized is that Many of them had the entrepreneurial uh, spirit and talent and skills, but lo- often lacked uh, inf- like access to like the same resources and information. And so for all those reasons, we decided to launch what I now call the Founders Library or the Founder Library. And it is a portal to a range of re- a free, I should say a free portal to uh, uh, hundreds of resources for founders across 18 topics, including everything from uh, marketing 
to fundraising to even self-care. And it's now been viewed, you know, tens of thousands of times from entrepreneurs all over the world. And we're actually, by the time this podcast airs, we will have a new home. So we're launching on uh, on Monday. So I guess that would be Monday, October 26th. We will be launching founderlibrary.com, which will be a bit of a permanent home. That That's awesome to hear. And yeah, I, I really echo what you say about curation, it, you know, and sort of why I call this the attention economy is that, you know, right, there's an overflow of information. We always talk about the internet being like the information economy, but it's really, you know, how do you gain attention? So, you know, it's great that you've sort of put together and, and curated um, um, this library to to sort of help, you know, um, take people to the to the next level. And I think a good segue is sort of, one of the other things you do is, you know, invest. Um, can you talk about, because I know, you know, you don't work as a formal executive coach with the companies you invest in, but can you talk about the difference between, you know, some of the more informal advisory services that you actually offer for your portfolio companies versus like the the advisory services um, that you actually do in a more formal role for for some of the, the executives and, and, and VCs and, you know, leaders in transition that you work with? Sure. So I think I actually think a great example is you know I like to tell stories and and use real world examples and so last week I was having a conversation with one of the CEOs that I invested in and we have a monthly standing call and basically he admitted to me that in some ways they're they're hitting a, a dead end and he said I don't really feel comfortable going to all the investors and and sort of speaking openly about this and i basically didn't judge him in any way because at the end of the day i invested in him not the comp like i invested in the company but i was really you know making the bet on him and what we ended up doing was actually a 45 minute brainstorm on how he can continue to honor the mission and the vision that he set out to achieve but with a, a, basically a, a pivot from a product perspective. And so we started to brainstorm and think about variety of paths that he can take in order to move the product in a new direction. And again, like I don't consider myself necessarily like a product guru um, or a product person for that matter, but I was able to hold the space with him for us to generate a lot of ideas and dive into some certain areas that he didn't necessarily feel comfortable doing with other people. So like that's one example, but I mean, it really spans the full gamut from business development support, intros to potential customers, intro to downstream investors, you know, reviewing financial models, um, you know, obviously helping with leadership development type activities, personal growth, self-care, I mean, it, it does, it does span across a, a pretty wide range of activities. Yeah. I, I, and I liked one of the things that you talked about there was sort of, you know, he was struggling to, to tell people how, how do you uh, manage that vulnerability? Cause I, I think one of the um, interesting observations I've had, and I, I know we talked, touched on this a bit in the beginning, but it's like these CEOs are sometimes afraid to, you know, say, Hey, I have a problem, right? They feel like they need to solve everything. Um, I think that also even applies to companies at times. And obviously the CEO is a proxy of like, we need to bring in an outside consultant because I don't know, sometimes consultants have 
a good connotation and, and sometimes they don't. So how, how do you coach people on like adjusting for a state of being vulnerable and, and being comfortable about that? Yeah, I think it's how you, you show up and create the initial alliance and, and what the relationship, like what foundation it is and, or what foundation it's on. And so for me, for example, whenever I start, whether it's a coaching or an investing relationship, I always say, first and foremost, this is a confidential zone, right? Unless there's some something that's violating an ethical code, right? And, and, and legal code. Um, but this is, this is very much a safe space for you. And anything we talk about stays between us and these walls. So that's the first point I make. The second is I generally say anything we talk about, I will honor. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to help you work through whatever you ultimately want want us to examine and, and hold. And then the third is my job is to help you get to where you want to go, not to inject my own agenda on you. And then finally, you know what I what I say, and this is specifically with my investing um, executives, those that I invest in, is that typically. I will say to them, hey, look, once I make the investment, I view the money's in the ground, right? If I, if, you know, it's my job now is to be an unwavering supporter and helper and servant of you. And you can come to me with anything. I'm not, again, like I'm not going to sit here and judge you. Like the money, the money is now gone. Right. So all of my focus is supporting you on whatever you need help with. And um, it can be, again, anything related to the inner realm or the outer realm. And, you know, I'll I'll do my best. And if not, I'm I'm sure I'll know people that can help in other in other regards. Got it. Well, thanks so much for coming on as we begin to wrap things up. You know, my my last question that I always end on is, you know, what is one takeaway from your career that, you know, you would um, impart as a as a. A statement of wisdom to to our listeners here that that you think is is good for them to know. Yeah, I would say for me in 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 my career as I reflect on it, I would say I I have not been a big planner. I've been extremely spontaneous where I've generally followed the things that excite me and energize me in the, in a given moment as a try as opposed to trying to plan like two, three, five years ahead. And so, you know, I guess the advice that I would give the listeners is be spontaneous and follow like where your energy is taking you as opposed to trying to plot out every single, every single career move. Got it. Well, thanks so much for that advice. Um, so, you know, if people want to hire you, they want to follow you on social, um, and I'll include the, the links in the description, but can you just share it for, for those listening? Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Schlaff. Um, that's spelled S-C-H-L-A-F. You can also check out my blog and personal website at schlaff.me. And then related to coaching, uh, highoutput.co. Great. Well, Steve, thanks again so much for coming on the podcast and, you know, keep chatting with you on Twitter, but until next time, everyone. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks so much for having me, Ari. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider giving us five stars on iTunes. If you're listening to us on YouTube, consider hitting the like button and commenting on what you enjoyed. I'd really appreciate it.